Hey, golfers, what's going on? Welcome back to the podcast. Tim Connor here, golf coach, golf academy owner out of the Pacific Northwest. I look at my job every day is to help golfers play better golf, play better golf. We keep it simple and we work on the things that are going to have the highest return on our time. What are the things that are going to work? What are the fundamentals we can install? And what are the things that we can actively do to pursue playing this game better over the long haul? And this podcast, Chasing Your Best, is my platform to kind of share the nitty-gritty details, the things I get to learn every day from being a golf coach in the trenches. And I hope you like hanging out. hope you like enjoying those things. Hope you're finding some value in this podcast. Leave it a review. Share it with a friend. That's the best thing you can do to help this thing out. We did a giveaway recently, giveaway three swing analysis. And uh, I'm looking forward to working with those guys and helping them dial their game in too. Anyway, let's talk about today. I want to do an extension of the club face talk we had previously. I want to do a little deeper dive on some of the nuance of how to manage your club face relative to your swing style and your grip style. I think as we look at macro problems, big picture problems, we should first understand that most people suffer from an open club face and an over the top swing path. Overarchingly, if you put 100 golfers on a driving range, 97 of them would have an open club face and an over-the-top swing path, something like that. And then a few of them would have a pretty good swing path, and then a few of them might even swing a little too far from the inside, and and that's more rare. So speaking to the masses, the macro big picture stuff here, most people have a club face that is too open. Where does that start? Well, it starts with the grip. You'll hear me disregard grip frequently. I just don't talk about it a lot, not because the grip's not important. It's just there's a lot of good grip information out there. And I feel it's all too often that the grip is solely looked at as an independent thing that's going to fix that player. That's not true for most of you. You fix your grip, it's not going to change your life. It might put you in a better position. It might set you up for success. But just the grip is the surface level. You still have to understand how to use that grip to create the kind of golf shots you want to create. Anyway, how's this audio sound today? I got my good mic back at the academy here. I had it at my place for a while, but we got the good mic back in action. And I think I want to get another microphone so I can record with my students from time to time. Tell me what you think about that. If you'd like to hear their perspective from being a a student learner, uh, a person who's on the other side of the seat from me. See if I'm really kind of all I'm cracked up to be, or maybe not. I mean, maybe they just want to share some stuff that maybe I'm not so good at my job. Anyway, no, I think it would be good to have their perspective on here, but I'm curious if that's something you guys would like to see more of. If it is, just let me know. But let's hop back to this grip talk. So grip is the start of your club face management, all right? Generally speaking, here's what a good grip is. It's held in your fingertips. If you're to look down at your wrists right now and how your wrists align with your forearms, that's the alignment we want to take to the golf club. So what I see is all too common is if you're looking at your palms and you tilt your palms on my left hand, if I'm tilting it to the right or to the inward part of my body, if you do that, like that is what most golfers do to try to get the club more in their, like the meat of their hands when it should be in their fingertips running at a little more of a diagonal. A good grip has two hands that are working together, not apart. So you take those hands and you smush them together, all right? Don't let those hands drift apart on you. You want them working together. And if it's very difficult for you to get those fingers together, grip together, that's because you have something goofy going on. We want the hands together. They work together to help make a fantastic golf swing. 
if they're working too far apart, they're going to work against each other, not for each other. So we want those hands to be teammates. Another factor of a good grip, these creases between our thumb and the pad of our hand. So if you if you let the thumb rest against your hand, it forms a crease. And we want that crease roughly to point towards your trail shoulder. It could point anywhere between your chin and your trail shoulder. There are good golfers that do both. That's why I don't like hearing people say there's only a one, there's like one grip that you need to have. That's not true. There's a variety of grips that play good golf. Grips that are weaker, that promote an open club face, and grips that are stronger, that promote a more closed club face. There are good players that do both. In fact, there are pros and cons to each grip style. And I guess that could be another podcast. So if that's something that's interesting to you, let me know. But there are pros and cons to each. But what I want you to take out of this is I want you to set up with a grip style that is relatively neutral and set up for success. And then we're going to go through some management of how to use that grip. So these creases should point towards our trail shoulder, roughly. If we're looking at our top hand on the golf club for a right-handed golfer that's their left hand we should visibly see two to three knuckles without peaking peaking means your head is looking or you're tilting your neck to see more than is actually there if you're looking down at your golf ball and you glance without moving your neck you should see roughly two knuckles on that top hand and then that bottom hand should again sit in the fingertips we should rest our thumb against our index finger and it should be smushed up so our grip is working as one. We talked about that a little bit. But let's now work our way back into the golf swing. So as we swing back now, let's talk about that. So the, the, the wrist bends change in the golf swing. Good players do that. Their wrists aren't static. They're dynamic. They're, they're working in a lot of different capacities. All right. Now, but the first thing that's going to happen in the backswing is the wrists need to hinge at some point. There are good golfers that hinge it earlier and good golfers that hinge it later. But here's the common denominator. Almost every great player is going to have their club hinged by the time the club gets back to lead arm parallel to the ground. Call that position three. When the lead arm is parallel to the ground for the first time in the backswing, the club should be fully hinged 90 degrees to your lead arm. So it should form that perfect L shape. All right. So once we've gotten to that point, we're fully hinged. And then we're going to swing to the top of the golf swing. The top of the golf swing is kind of interesting here because, again, this is a position where you're going to see players that play from a variety of positions at the top that play fairly well. But there's more than one way to do is what I'm trying to say. But what you should know at this position is if you struggle with an open club face, you should try to get your club face more closed at the top. If you struggle with a closed club face, which is, you know, just some tiny percentage of you, you perhaps want to consider opening your club face in the backswing or the top of your golf swing. Having your wrist a little more extended than flexed, a little more cupped than flexed, those are both Basically, if you're moving your knuckles towards your forearm, you're extending your wrist. If you're moving your knuckles, I should say, towards your forearm, as in like the back of your forearm. If you're moving your knuckles towards your other side of your forearm, as in like you're, you're, like you're flexing your forearm, like you'd watch like a Popeye or something. If you're flexing your forearm muscles, that's flexing your wrist. So flexing your wrist would keep it more closed at the top of your golf swing, which I would recommend for most people. And then in the, in the downswing, that wrist still needs to continue to flex from there. Every great player does this. I think it is the common denominator. It's the universal move that we don't talk about often enough. We a lot of times try to fix golf swings in the instruction world by changing a player's grip. When we rarely as a whole talk about how the wrist should work to make the club face more closed or more square to that swing arc. And that's something I, I personally feel very strongly about. We need to have a deeper conversation about fixing that slice. And in the downswing, that wrist should continue to flex. 
look at catalog 10 tour players when that club shaft is parallel to the ground in the downswing and tell me what you notice about their lead wrists. Tell me what you notice about their club face alignments. More often than not, their lead wrist is going to be in a straight line with their forearm or even flex slightly more than that. All right. So the lead wrist is very important in getting that club face square. And this is when golf swings all become more and more similar. So that's why golf is kind of cool is because there can be variation as far as how you swing back in the backswing. Like there are good golfers that do it multiple different ways. But as the rubber starts to meet the road, as we get closer to impact, golfers start looking more and more universally similar. Or good golfers, I should say, the best golfers. Because they figured out how to make that club work for them waist high to waist high or knee high to knee high. That is the moment of truth. That is what really, really matters when we're trying to create a predictable ball flight and pattern that. And that's kind of what makes golf instruction cool is if we understand these things, we can understand there can be some variability in how you grip the club. There can be some variability in how you use your wrists, what the top of your golf swing looks like. We can have some variation, but we can still be a great player if we understand what the fundamentals are and how to use that grip to make our club face more square. Now, if we're to really break it down in, in that knee high to knee high position, having our club face square to that arc or having the sweet spot pointed relatively where that golf ball would be. That's a good frame of reference. So if we're a right-handed player and that club is about knee high, that club face is going to be turned. So you could imagine it would be perpendicular to the arc. Or if you have a rough idea what an arc is, think about the pitch of somebody's roof, how that roof slants down. That golf club would swing back along that roof and then back down it, hopefully being relatively perpendicular to those lines the whole time. There's going to be a little momentum in there, so it's going to change that. We're not going to be perfectly perpendicular, but especially as we get down to that knee-high to knee-high region, the best hitters have that club face very perpendicular to that swing arc. And even if it's an ideology that's not exact, it's a really good ideology that most of us should practice. And if you understand how to use your wrist to make the club face more square, you're going to have more predictability to your shot pattern. You're going to have more predictability to how you score the golf ball. And your bad shots are going to get closer to your best shots, which is a really powerful statement. Having your bad shots closer, your worst shots closer to your best shots means your dispersion pattern is shrinking. And that means you're going to play better golf over the long haul. That's very, very important. Anyway, I know we kind of dug in on the weeds. I, I really like your feedback on these kind of podcasts because you can kind of go off the rails with them talking about some of these nitty gritty details. And I understand just hearing it cannot be the same as seeing it. But for some of you, you can visualize it. I do my best to try to help you visualize it. And uh, on that, the, the YouTube channel is live. It'll be linked down below. I hope you can make it over there and check it out. We're going to do a video a week for the near future and uh, just help reach more people in the name of Better Golf. Anyway, I appreciate you all for hanging out. I will catch you back here, same time, same place, next week.